So we're continuing this morning, and good morning to those who are online. You should hopefully hear us now as well. It's great to have you with us. Uh, we're continuing our series, God is Green. We had a pause from it last week, but we're doing it this week and next week to finish it off. And I'm sure for some of you might be thinking, surely we've covered it now. We've checked the box. We've got the t-shirt. We know that we ought to be engaging with creation more than we currently are. But our hope for this series isn't just to tell you that, isn't just to kind of set out that vision, is to help us see that when you look at the story, the big story of Scripture from start to finish, that largely at points where God interacts with his creation, with humanity, the impact of it also ripples through the rest of the world, through the rest of creation. And, and when May spoke with us in the first week of the series, she reflected on the fact that everything is God's and is gift from him. And so our response is that we treat it as gift. Um, and then Andy shared with us the fact that the, the story of creation is a place where God names creation as good and also us as good and calls us to care for it. It gives us a mandate to look after the world we live in. And then B. Roy came and shared with us a few weeks ago about the fact that the fall didn't have just an impact on us personally in our hearts, but also it broke down our relationship with God, with one another, and with all of creation. And today, this morning, I get the privilege of looking at how the work of Jesus and the message of salvation ripples out and shapes all of creation. We're going to be looking at Colossians 1 together, reading from verse 13. So if you have a Bible, um, then please join on with me. I'm going to follow it through and then go through each verse step by step. It should be on the screen as well. So starting from chapter 1, verse 13. God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn born over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God is pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on, heaven, on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Amen. It's such an amazing passage, isn't it? I'm sure many of us know it well, but we could, we could just spend week upon week looking at each verse and preaching through some of the truth in it. But we're doing very high level, and I'm kind of parachuting in for this one week to this book of Colossians. And so Paul has just done his normal introductions. He says, I, Paul, message sent to Galatians, kind of apostle of Jesus. And then he says, what he normally does, he goes into his prayer thanking God for the people of Colossae. And then he seems to just kind of go off on this tangent and starts worshiping Jesus. <laughs> Um, he starts worshipping and reflecting on the truth of who he is. And, and then reflecting on what's, what that means for the whole of the world around us. And so we're going to just walk through each of these verses and how we can begin to apply them as well. So looking at verses 13 and 14 first, I'm just going to paraphrase it, but it might stay on the screen behind me at different points. Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into his kingdom. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So right here is, in these verses, it's the reason why most of us are sitting here this morning, isn't it? Like, ultimately, yes, it might be partly to connect with friends and family. It might be partly to have some nice tea and coffee and to enjoy good music. 
But ultimately, we're here because at some stage in our lives, whether decades ago or days ago, we recognize that we were lost. And in the midst of that, Jesus encountered us and changed us. Whether that happened gradually over the course of years or in an instant, that is our experience. And the, the words of these two verses are um, darkness and light. And it's, those are the words we're very used to when we talk about our faith, aren't we? But when we reflect on it, it's actually it's quite an extreme contrast. You can't get further from one another, darkness and light, right? When one, you can't have one and the other in the same space. <laughs> and that's the truth, the truth for us is that we knew how lost we were before, and now we are so incredibly found in Jesus. That's, that's my story. And I'm sure it is for many of us that for me, it, and I've shared some of how I came to faith with you before, but in the midst of losing my dad and in a place of grief for us as family, that in the midst of that darkness, Jesus came amongst us and brought his light and his hope and completely changed us, changed the trajectory of our whole lives. Jesus has brought us into his new life. And that is the message. That's the reason why we're here, isn't it? But it's interesting to note that Paul's prayer doesn't end there because the work of Jesus doesn't end there. In saving us, there's something bigger that happens too. There's something on a much bigger scale that goes on as it relates to the rest of his creation. And it's important for us to note that because for the last few hundred years especially, some of how we've come to understand our faith has kind of shifted a little bit. It's kind of narrowed. Um, and it started at a point um, known as the Reformation. So I'm going to do a little bit of history. Sorry if you don't like history. I'll try and keep it interesting and short. Um, but at the, ref- at the point of the Reformation, um, the church was one of the most powerful structures in the world. They had incredible influence, and unfortunately, they used that and abused that to control people. They kept faith. They kept an understanding of who Jesus was away from people who sought to follow him. And there were some... Um, kind of academic and outspoken Christians, people like Martin Luther and John Calvin, names you might be familiar with, they recognized some of what was going on, some of the abuses that were happening um, around them. And so in response, they, they set up a revolution. There's this um, door here is reflective of a point where this guy, Martin Luther, he hammers in 95 theses, these 95 points of where he believes that the church has abused and kept Jesus from people. So they start this revolution, and their goal for it is they want to get the hands of Scripture, the words of Scripture, into the hands of people, so that whether you're educated elite or working class, you can know the message of Jesus. It's incredible, and it's our, it's our heritage. Like, it's the reason why all of us, in some form, can easily access the Bible now. It started there. But some of the implications of it, and unintentionally, from that point onwards, was that it shifted our understanding of faith, because... Before that point, we recognized as, as church that faith was a collective journey as well. That it was as we together engaged with God in the world that we live in. And after that point, our understanding narrowed a bit. It shifted to be a bit more about our personal, individual, kind of private engagement with God and the message of Jesus. And then combine that with the fact that over the last few hundred years, particularly in the West, our culture has shifted that way as well. So we are now a lot more personal and private and individualistic than we were before. And we can begin to imprint, imprint that on our faith. And often we have. Um, 
In fact, you, you might even have, I'm sh I've had many conversations, and I'm sure you probably have too, where people have talked about their faith being a private faith. Um, doesn't really shape anything around them. Maybe you've experienced that before. I definitely have on a number of occasions. But that was historically a contradiction. You couldn't have those two words together, private and faith, because faith was a whole life encompassing thing. It shaped not just you individually, but how you related to everything around you. So why do I say this? The Reformation, I don't want, I'm not just constructing that, don't worry. It was an incredible and such an important mark in our history. But I want to say that the good news, the message of Jesus, isn't just about us individually engaging with him. In fact, I think primarily it's about the work that he has done. It's about Jesus. That's what the message of Jesus is about. It's about him. And then in response, we personally engage with him. And so all creation does too. And so I just want us to take some time this morning to take a bit of a step back as we reflect on the message of Jesus as we know it, and to reflect on the scale of the work that Jesus has done as we read these next few verses of Colossians, to just widen, create a bigger picture of who Jesus is. That would be my hope and prayer for this morning. So let's continue reading Colossians. So we're in verse 15 now, verse 15 and 16. And it says that Jesus is God made visible. When we look at Jesus, we see God. And not only that, we see God's intentions for all of creation. Verse 16 says that. Creation was made, everything that we see and know and love, everything that's gone before us for hundreds of thousands of years and everything that will outlast us, all of it is made by Jesus and all of it is for Jesus. Now, why does this matter? Well, May talked about this at the very start of our series. And the work that Jesus has done on earth in his death and resurrection was how he made his claim on all that is his. In his death and resurrection, he said over all of humanity, this is mine. He said over you, you are mine. But more than that, he said over all of this world, this is mine. And he said over the stars and constellations and galaxies, this belongs to me. This same Jesus who lived as both ordinary human and fully God has made this claim that this is his. This creation belongs to him. So you follow me? This is the first point. Creation is for Jesus and by Jesus. If we get to verse 17, not only does the world belong to him, but he sustains it. That's what verse 17 says. So just a bit of a kind of a mind melt thought here. If, well, it's for me anyway, maybe you think it's really boring. But um, when we reflect on this, this verse, what it's telling us is that Jesus is the only reason why we uh, still exist. If, it, if he was to withdraw his life from us, then we would no longer exist. And you know, the message of the fall that which B talked about was essentially the slow outworking of that. As we were separated from the life of God, what came in was death. That's what scripture tells us, isn't it? And, and that is now our observable experience of living in the world. Everything around us eventually breaks apart. We see that. And, um, and actually, there's even a phrase for it in the scientific community. It's called entropy, which is this idea that everything that we observe eventually will no longer function the way that we see it. But verse 17 tells us, in the midst of that, because of the work of Jesus, that is not the final destination for creation. He is sustaining it, and he will continue to sustain it. So we have creation belongs to Jesus and is for him. We have creation sustained by Jesus, and it just keeps going, this kind of massive kind of throwing out of truths. In verse 18, it says, this same Jesus is the head of the church. 
ahead of us. And I don't have time to unpack that fully this morning, but it's just so important for us to remember that, isn't it? That our leader is Jesus. Our vision is Jesus. Our direction and trajectory is set by Jesus, is towards Jesus. And our calling is to be his physical presence on earth. The church is Jesus' body, and we are his people. We'll keep going. Verse 20. Because this is a climax of the prayer. So just imagining this is kind of like this building big picture of who Jesus is. And we get to verse 20. It says, God chose through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. And in verse 23, a little bit later, it says that this message has been proclaimed to every creature that exists. It's not just to humans. Everything created has heard this message through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so we have these four things going on, which might come up in a slide as well. We've got, throughout the Colossians, was telling us that Jesus created everything and it's for him. We have that Jesus is sustaining everything. We have that we are his body and that Jesus will reconcile all of creation. The scale is massive, isn't it? So much bigger than just our individual engagement with it. The work that Jesus is doing is far-reaching and is for all of creation. So what has this got to do with God is green? Well, I think it completely changes the way that we engage with the world around us. And to help understand that, we need to, to talk about foundations. I want to talk about foundations. So for the last six months, I've been slowly converting my garage into an office. Here's what it looked like about a month ago. Um, it's very exciting. Justin is almost finished, just in time for working at home, not to be a thing anymore. <laughs> but if, if you'd walked into this room about a month ago and, and I hadn't told you anything about it, you might have been able to guess little bits of what it's going to look like at the end, but I kind of would need to have shown you because at the minute it kind of looked a bit like just wood hanging off of different bits. Um, I would have needed to walk to it around and said, this is where this is going to be. This is going to be a wall. I'm going to have electrics in here. I'm going to have my nice kind of mixing sound desk over here and uh, all this like big visual stuff that I would uh, walk you through. Because I'm the one who have the has the vision for it. I see the, the direction it's heading in and I know what I want to do in order to get there. I have the visual of where it's looking now. If you can see a nice picture, you can see, ooh, if you want, look, ooh, see, it's got, it's got walls and everything, it's got lights. <laughs> um, so I have that picture in my mind as I'm talking it. As, as I'm talking it through. But if I was to say a month ago, I've left it to someone else and said, here you go, do whatever you want with this room. It would have started in the same place. Maybe would have done a lot of the same work, but it's likely that they would have fin finished somewhere else. And I think the same is true for us at the moment. Without the right foundations, without the right vision for why we're doing what we're doing, we could assume that because there's lots of the same activity going on as those around us. Because we understand a call to engage with creation and what we see around us is lots of people choosing to engage with creation as well, to, to care, take care of our world, to engage with the climate crisis. We could, we could assume that we all have the same vision in mind. It's like, well, you know, we're all cutting woods, we're all drilling holes, we're all figuring out why this bit of ceiling is slightly sloped and it wasn't supposed to be. But the danger is that we begin to unintentionally adopt some of the values and the direction that we see in culture around us. And it's so important for us to realize as Christians that our starting point and our end goal are quite different. <laughs> when you bring Jesus into the center of this, it shifts 
completely why we're doing it. There's, there's some things that underpin the way that um, culture engages with uh, the climate crisis and way influencers we see talking about it and those in social media. And I just want to lay out some of what I see to be kind of quite a clear contrast from some of what we just read in Colossians. So there's going to be a slide up for a little while. So we have this mo in this cultural moment, I think, and this is not just stuff I've made up, this is stuff I've heard people either express themselves or quoted directly from people. What we often see is the world has no purpose. And actually, humanity is part of the problem. Isn't it? As a friend of mine I was chatting to recently, he said uh, before they came to faith that they, um, they felt like even having kids was, um, was a problem, you know? Uh, and of course, overpopulation is an issue we need to consider, but the, the underpinning that is actually that even the existence of humanity is part of the issue, do you know? Which feels like it drives a correct contrast with what we see in Colossians, isn't it? Like creation is made for and by Jesus. It has a distinctive purpose. And then the second thing is the world is heading towards this certain trajectory and we know it and so all we can do is stop it or slow it down. But what we read in Colossians is actually there's something going on with Jesus, how Jesus is engaging with creation. He's sustaining it. He's keeping it from reaching that destination. The third thing is the church is only relevant so long as it keeps up with the pace of culture. I've heard that plenty, you know, and particularly more recently. But what we read in Colossians is that Actually, our vision as church is to be Jesus' body. And that means sometimes we'll do a lot of the stuff that other people are doing, but sometimes it'll look different. And then finally, the, what we, I have often heard, and I'm sure you have as well, is, is this is up to us. Climate change is up to us. We're the only ones who can stop it from getting worse. But what we read in Colossians is Jesus is the one who's reconciling all creation. He is the one who's made this claim over it. So do we see that? Do we see some of the contrasts of the like, different narrative of it. It's, and it's not uh, per, me permissioning you not to engage with climate change. That's not what I want to do. In fact, I think the opposite is true. I think it means we need to get more involved because we have a much more compelling vision for why it matters to look after the world, I think. We do carry a God-given responsibility to care for it. That's what we've been saying every week so far. But the amazing thing about the message of Jesus is that just as soon as we recognize the weight that's on our shoulders, he lifts it from us, that burden, and says, walk in step with me. See the work that I'm doing. See what it is I'm inviting you to join me in. He says to us, this is my job. This world is mine. Let me show you how to walk in step with me. When we begin to kind of live out of that, that way, living in God's grace rather than be motivated by kind of shame, it could completely change the way we engage with this, right? It can actually give us, I think, the strength to sustain living differently because we're choosing to trust that primarily this is Jesus' work. And so even if we do a small part to join in with it, that is good. That is worth it. We should do that. And so I, I just want to encourage us to, to hear maybe a slightly different invitation, a call from Jesus to engage with caring for our world. And it could even be that we might be able to have fun as we do it, you know? Like not, not flippantly, not ignoring the injustice of uh, climate change and the impact of those who are most marginalized, as we've heard about already. But as we positively engage with looking after our world, we could actually enjoy it, like we're allowed to. <laughs> um, I got, as an example of this, in, I realized I'm on a big learning curve, so lots of people are doing a lot more than I am. But I recently got an e-bike, which is exciting. Um, 
I just like find ways of disappointing all the athletes in the room every time I preach. So this is my this is my attempt at that this time. But we're, we're trying to figure out a way of making it work so we didn't need two cars with childcare and and, uh, and for Lindsay's my wife starting work again. And I decided I'll go for an e-bike rather than going for a car. Um, and I fully bought into it. So I've got the fluorescent jacket. I've got the fluorescent shoes. <laughs> I've got so much fluorescent that I was meeting someone recently for coffee and they almost didn't want to meet me because I was wearing so, I'd cycled there and I was wearing so much fluorescent. I was like, please just take off the jacket. <laughs> but what, what I say, what I give this example, because I think I, I quite enjoy it. It's quite fun cycling on an e-bike. And there's part of me that just subconsciously discounted it as being an activity which helps me engage with the climate because there's part of me that thinks I ought to be motivated by the fact that I'm feeling bad. Do you know? Like, I, it's almost like I need to be motivated by that. I'm not doing enough. That should be the reason why I'm engaging with this. But that's just nonsense. <laughs> it's like that's not the way that we should be engaging with this as Christians. We should be seeing the invitation to positively engage with this, to join in with the work that Jesus is doing, all as we live and move in the grace of God. So I just wonder whether Jesus might want to shift our perspective on some of this this morning. And just as I come into land... The biggest challenge, I think, um, for us is to keep that perspective. You know, because what we hear, what we read in the papers, what we see on social media, is really strongly pushing another way of seeing our engagement with the world. So what are the ways that we can potentially keep that perspective on Jesus and the work that he's doing? I, I just want to suggest two. Obviously, there's lots more. But two, one, one of them is we can practice faith. That's one. And... Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Faith is carrying confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So faith is us doing our small part in trusting that God will expand it far and beyond we could see and that he's doing a lot more alongside it. Faith is, I think, us hearing statistics which are, should cause us to grieve, you know, like of the irreversible change to our oceans because of climate change. But then in the next step, in the next breath, is to praise and worship God. That's not the final word. The scientific findings right now doesn't have the final word on this world. Jesus does, and he has claimed it, and he said he will restore it. So that's the first thing. I think we practice faith on a daily basis of choosing to trust, even when everything says the opposite, that he is at work, that Jesus is at work. And the second thing I think we can do is listen well. I think one of the ways that we can collectively as a church engage with this better is to hear one another. Because in this room we have multiple generations, lots of shared experience, lots of incredibly knowledgeable people on this subject. And both as we pursue Jesus and have a depth, some of you have incredible depth and richness to your relationship with God, having followed him for, for decades. And others of us have such a deep, God-given passion to see this world look more like God intends it to. There's, as I, so I wonder actually that maybe one of the best things that we could do is, is try and grab someone who's of a different generation to us. And if you have been following Jesus for decades, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, there's a chance that, and I'm, I'm saying this personally as well, your expectations of what he might do in the immediate moment can slightly lower. As we get older, as, I, as our life change, stages change, we start to maybe reduce our expectations in amongst finding things harder, finding in amongst challenges around us. 
And I wonder that we maybe need the passion and zeal of those who are younger, who can see what God is doing amongst us. We need to hear some of that. But for those of us who are younger and full of passion and zeal, we, we need to know the pace of following Jesus for your whole life. We need to know what it looks like to have hope sustained in him, even through challenges, even through suffering as well as through joys. So my encouragement is to, for us collectively, let's lean on each other. We, I think none of us have the full perspective on this, but together we m- will have a much bigger perspective, both of the long work that Jesus is doing amongst us and also what he's doing right now in the present too. So maybe grab someone for a coffee afterwards, or if you're in a community with lots of different people in it, then maybe ask those two questions. Ask the question, what is Jesus doing amongst us right now? And how have you sustained hope in Jesus over many years? Do you know? I think those two things are so important for us to bring together. And through that, we can join in more with the work that he's doing as he restores this world. Can you pray for us? pray. And Jesus, I just thank, I thank you for the way that we started with, the, with Mary's prayer of, of praise and worship to you, of giving you the glory. And that is that's exactly where I want us to land, is to say thank you so much for the work that you've done in saving and transforming us. And also through that work, um, calling out reconciliation of this whole world. Jesus, we want to trust you for that work afresh this morning, where maybe our expectations have, have dropped. Maybe where we expect you to do less than you are able to. God, would you increase our vision for you again? Would you give us a bigger picture of who you are? Would you show us that this world that we live in is yours? Would you show us the ways that you're sustaining it and redeeming and reconciling it, restoring it the way that you intended it to be? And I ask for each of us as we consider what we do with this. God, would you be prompting us and leading us? Jesus, would your grace be our starting point in the way on? But would you show us the way you're calling us to live? Would you strengthen us as you call us to that as well? In Jesus' name, amen.